I love the smell of my pub in the morning. Thank you for this I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Palm in the morning, your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Oh yeah, dulcet tones. Uh, hey there, deep heads. Uh, we remind us to think of a good uh, of a, a good uh, good moniker for our fans out there. Uh, let's put the, let's put the let's put us to work on that. Yeah, tweet tweet us. Uh, what's our handle, man? Palm Podcast. Yeah. At yeah. Napalm Podcast. At Napalm Podcast. Yeah. We we what what should our what should our our, our millions of fans be called? So um, yeah, hit us up there. Uh, hey everybody, uh, welcome to Napalm in the morning. Um, you've got uh, Doctor Jones in studio um, with uh, with uh, Matt and Troy. How you guys doing? Excelente. Thanks for asking. It's good to be king just for a while. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, we are. Uh, we've got a, We've got a little special. Um, not on every Vietnam War f- through film um, list that you would find. Um, uh, why don't you Why don't you tell us how this came about, there, Eric? <laughs> well, I was walking down the street. Just why are, the Why are we doing this movie? <laughs> well, this movie it was it was it was available um, for free for yeah. thirty days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the it's not the only reason but uh um I actually I, this the movie is dead presidents I should say that off uh, right out right out of the out of the gate um and I was watching it on on Amazon and was like uh I had you know it's a movie from the mid 90s realized like half of this movie takes place in Vietnam it just had totally you know dead presidents is is a is a ostensibly a heist movie um about a bank robbery in, sort of yeah, yeah right and and we'll we'll get to that but in the in in the bronx but um i'm watching it i'm like holy shit this is like half of this is in is in vietnam we should do a, a very special episode of uh of, of napalm in the morning um yeah well yeah and, and when you originally um mentioned this during during our daily um power meetings that we have about the podcast uh you 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 mentioned doing a kind of a quick quick and dirty run through, but after I watched the film, I was kind of like, "There's there's a lot, not just in Vietnam, but there's a lot kind of going on in the United States that's that's related and important." And um, let's do a full. Yeah, we bang. were going to do a mini so, right, yeah. and then yeah. uh, is that uh, that is that I hear I hear some sounds in your mic there, Troy. You uh, you cracking the what you what you cracking, cracking a little uh, Founders Centennial IPA. Oh, uh, what do you what do you got, Matt? Uh well th- they are not a sponsor of the program but I have a new Belgium mothership wit. Um, oh nice. So I've got a uh, yeah. a left hand uh, nitro milk stout. Um, very yummy. Mm. So yeah so the the dead presidents if you um had you did you see this in this in the theaters Matt? So no uh this so I would have been in high school when this came out and. I had not seen it since high school, so I I remembered very little. I remembered kind of the the sort of makeup on the on the on the robbers during the bank heist. I remembered the uh, the the real uh, real hot chick died, and I didn't even remember that they were in Vietnam. Like I I didn't remember anything about Vietnam. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't either. And so yeah, I guess it's been twenty five years, but 
I, I had I, pretty I had important s- to the plot, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. I had so few memories that I couldn't remember had I just seen trailers or I had actually seen them. Did, did you see it in theaters, Troy? I did not see it at all. Uh, I, we live. I live in a state where there's 97 percent Caucasian, so I don't even think it popped up on the on the radar. But it's uh, not at the Pal Valley anyway. Drive-In. Um, the, the governor didn't allow it. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> proper. Um, well, I, I was I was excited on 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 revisiting um, the the film that right right out right out of the gate for your your Southeast Asia heads out there. Um, listen listen to a little of the intro music here. I'll I'll crank it up. Matt, what does that sound like to you? Boy, um, I think some sort of unreleased. Pink Floyd song, circa like '74, maybe. Yeah, what Wu-Tan! You, what you heard there was some gamelan. They've got some ominous gamelan going uh, on the intro to to Dead Presidents. Uh, so I don't know if they did they coin the phrase pres, "Dead Presidents." I, 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 you know, I don't know the origin of this term, but uh, you know, these are these are these are <laughs> bills, y'all. Like, uh, right? <laughs> this is money. So the so the yeah the opening scene is. Uh, you know they're burning through um, dollar bills with Gamelon in the background, and um, and so like we said, the movie has um, most of it, or well, half of it does not take place in or about Vietnam, and so we'll be focusing on the the Vietnam parts especially. But there's some I think pretty interesting context for the experience of the African American soldier and for the soldiers in general who return um, to the to to the U.S. from the from the war. Um, and, uh, so yeah, let's get into it. We, we, we start with, uh, kind of, a we drop into, um, Anthony's, Anthony's neighborhood. Anthony is the, uh, nickname Youngblood is, uh, is the, this African-American teenager. How old is he supposed to, how old are all of them supposed to be in this? 18, He's still like just finishing high school, like senior year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that you know. So anyway, there you know we we're we're kind of it's giving in real us life. A, he's probably twenty six or something, but yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Chris Tucker at least thirty in this. Um, it's kind of like a twenty one Jump Street of Vietnam vets. They're uh, all a lot older than they play. So. Yeah, that's not the only thing you're going to have to suspend um, disbelief to uh, to to take in this film. But uh, we we have. Um, Again, a slice of life in 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 the in the Bronx is what they're trying to show us here in this uh, sort of uh, before the hipsters gentrify um, uh, the boroughs in New York, um, sort of the black neighborhoods in in New York there. Um, and we have a we have a pretty pretty decent scene that will that will have a um, an echo after the at the end of the movie is um, you know Terrence Howard. Um, you recognize him from. Uh, uh, Hustle and Flow. He got an Academy Award nomination for that, and um, and he was in Empire, um, the mm-hmm. the series, and uh, Mr. Holland's Opus, I think. So, Terrence Howard is this kind of plays an asshole. Um, uh, how what, what, is, what is his character supposed to be like? Kind of just like the. Um, I think he's just he's there to show the growth of the other character, essentially. <laughs> Um, yeah, he he challenges. Um, they're playing pool and uh, um, at uh, at a at a small time bookie and criminal um, Kirby 
the in his establishment and uh, Terrence Howard or AKA Cowboy um, sort of disrespects um, Anthony and then um, you know that doesn't doesn't want to pay him. I think doesn't Anthony beat him in pool? Doesn't want to pay him. Right. Right. Yeah. And then uh, and then and then uh, Terrence Howard holds him down on the pool table and cuts his face with a knife. Um, it's not a big one, but it's a. I was I was that was the first. Uh, um, I think it was a decent scene, but I was like, uh, I, his 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 reaction seemed pretty small for getting cut in the face with a knife. <laughs> well, he had uh, Kirby came out, um, and you, and you are kind of introduced to Kirby as uh, he's he's lost one one leg. I think he lost it in Korea, um, and that sort of the introduction to that character is sort of the he's he's kind of looking after this kid and you know giving him little side jobs and stuff like that, um, and. I don't know. Father figure is probably too much because it seems like he has a decent relationship with his family. But uh, um, you know, he's he's there. Troy, does this this resonate yeah, with your say Kirby Keith David is the uh, actor that plays Kirby. He was also in Platoon, played as King in Platoon, and he's also the yeah. the father in Something About Mary, um, which uh, you know that's a oh, classic yeah. Vietnam movie. I was just going to ask if oh, that, if, man. If, if if that resonated with your experience in playing. Run numbers and shooting pool at buttons and uh, at buttons. I mean, yeah, I it, it's it's very similar. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, it's very similar. Because uh, I'm from the streets. He got uh, his face cut, as well. Yeah, he I do have a cut that. in my face, but it's from a ski tip in my face when I was like 21. But yeah, other than that. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, so we're given this kind of slice of life from Anthony, and then we're and then we cut to his his interior of his home and he's there with his with his family around the dinner table and uh yeah let's take a little listen at this uh um from this clip matt did you want to say anything about it or should i go ahead and play it no go ahead i'll talk after good one thing my mama sure would have been proud never would believe i got two college graduates <laughs> you think about what you're gonna major in baby Marine Corps. All right, What'd you say? <clears throat> I said the uh, Marine Corps. I'm, I'm joining. Marine Corps? Yeah. Now that's original. And that's after his brother, of course, had told him he's going to college, <laughs> and graduate school. I want to do something else. I don't want to go to college. I'm sick of school. Man. I don't know why everybody got this strange look on their face. It's my life. His dad's going to pipe yeah. in here in a second. It's your life. Looks like to me you're trying to ruin it, baby. You're an idiot. You know that? Nerdy brother's not happy. Uh, I don't want to go to college. I'm just not ready for no college. You always said the Marines and fighting over in Korea made a man out of you. I figured I'd be, you know, living my own life. I'll talk to your mom. So this is, um, you know, I think the writing's on the wall when he's volunteering, uh, signed for the Marine Corps. He's headed over to Vietnam. And let's just talk a little bit about, a little bit of the context for... Or I guess 
American serving in, in the war. And it's a segregated military that's going to last. Um, Truman in 48 um, signs a bill that kind of ends that. Uh, it's going to actually take till 53, you know, through the end of the Korean War to get that finally done. Um, but so these segregated African-American units... If you want to date it back, you can hear the Marley plane in the background, Buffalo Soldier. That references so-called Buffalo Soldiers um, going back to the, you know, quote-unquote Indian Wars. Um, African-Americans at the time, you know, they see it as an opportunity um, to find a new opportunity to work in the West, you know, relatively speaking, lucrative. And the reason Marley wrote the song is, you know, he's kind of identifying with these examples of black men performing with honor, courage um, in a field that is dominated by whites. And, you know, they're at the time <laughs> enduring prejudice. Uh, that, that, of course, is going to last up through the period we're talking about up to the present day. Even. Um, but, you know, these Buffalo soldiers, you know, Sergeant George Jordan, 9th Cavalry, got the Special Medal of Honor, fighting off um, Apache Raiders in New Mexico, for example, right? That is kind of historic, um, you know, her heroism uh, kind of within these segregated units. Now, when we get to Vietnam, that is not the case anymore. They're fighting side by side with uh, kind of their white white counterparts, and they... But the, the racism, the prejudice, you know, doesn't go away. Uh, because I think maybe the, the, you know, you have kind of a naive assumption like... You know, it, it's it's good that they're integrated. It's good that, you know, you don't have all just all black and all white units. And I, I think in the long run, that's 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 those are good ambitions. Yeah. But the, but in the midterm, what happens, right, is those well, those black that same race, the racism that wouldn't have happened in an all black unit suddenly now. Um, is that well, what I you're mean, saying? just the, well, just like a, a thing that, you know, maybe is counterintuitive I don't know but like there are opportunities for growth in the, within the military in the segregated unit so you know you could if you're African American you can rise up the ranks you can become an officer right you can get credentials and you know move up the ranks you know in your segregated part of the military once it's integrated those opportunities start to kind of dry up so there's actually less ability for sort of sort of this abort mobility within the military um, when you're talking about like Vietnam era right yeah that's so that I had I mean I hadn't thought about that but that yeah sadly is probably is the reality for the and and, yeah. and this this film and we and we'll have in the in the book suggestions and in other parts we'll talk about um, maybe some of the ways that the African-American not only soldier but veterans um, experience was different and that the you know the 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 motive in this heist movie is is that is the is the you know diminished opportunity for the black soldiers who come back and um, right this is what they're forced to to, mm. to do right to it's make a, to make and that's another make. another reason why you know the proportion of it's disproportionate African Americans serving in Vietnam not just because they're getting drafted at a higher rate but um, you know, some of them are seeing this as, you know, like our character in the film, maybe a, I want to, I need to get out, I need to change the scenery. College isn't for everybody. He says it's not for him. This is a potential way for me to to move up. But, you know, once, once he 
gets to Vietnam, um, you know, in Vietnam, you know, in Saigon, there are, it is, <laughs> there are like white and black parts of town. It's they kind of, it's kind of forms like a mini mirror reflection of the United States. Sort of segregates itself, you know, in 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 country in Vietnam, you know, in Saigon or something. So you, this is oh, this is the black bar. This is the the white bar where where the soldiers would go when they're on you know on R and R or whatever. Um, and the Vietnamese knew this. They could they knew that there was this animosity between the soldiers, and they would exploit it for their benefit. Um, when they when they saw an opportunity too, yeah, and they 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 will 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 even play a clip later in the in in the film where they where the Vietnamese propaganda are propagandizing the the American um, American racism um, that's 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 real, and yeah, and then you had others, you know, maybe Muhammad Ali most famously, you know, for saying like I'm you know yeah, why I want to I? mention that actually yeah because Chris Tucker I think at the very beginning of the of the film he he says something about like why are you going to fight the white man's war or something and that to me that that sounded like that sounded Ali uh, right off yeah. the bat right when he said it and so for our for our listeners just a brief recap about about what that whole scene was about you're probably aware of who Muhammad Ali was um, yeah go- yeah pause champion. this podcast and friggin Google. Highlight Muhammad <laughs> Ali if you don't know. <laughs> he's he's you know top of the world uh, boxing champ and is drafted refuses. Um, so let me get uh, the quote from him. Uh, Man, I ain't got no quarrel with them Viet Cong. Why should they ask me to put on a uniform, go ten thousand miles from home, drop bombs and bullets on brown people in Vietnam, while so-called Negro people in Louisville are treated like dogs and denied simple human rights? So he's arrested for this. He's stripped of his titles. He's banned from boxing for over three years. Uh, Supreme Court in 1971 eventually overturns this, but you know, th- you know, three and a half years. I mean, in terms of like, you know, what's what's his equivalent now? Like LeBron James or something like that. Um, yeah, being banned from basketball for three <laughs> for three years at his at the peak of his powers, um, and. You know, he was standing up for what he felt was right. And so that that Tucker quote um, and there's a couple of quotes in the film that are along that same sort of totally. line that kind of harken back to the. Olympics, I mean, we're, so. we're, we're outraged, as is uh, Matt's cat, I think, is very outraged. I can hear, I oh, you can hear her cat. <laughs> oh, God, she's in heat. So uh, <laughs> she's in she's two rooms away. And I <laughs> back to the film there. um <laughs> So we, we also have the kind of the abiding love interest that, that's going to play through this movie um, uh, that, uh, you know, we have him in um, with, with Juanita is her name um, um, uh, and her and her family. Um, I forgot to mention that this that that scene was uh, also memorable to the 14 year old me. And uh, hey, well, why, why doesn't this this never happens to me? Why not? Um, uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you mean having sex with your high school girlfriend and getting her pregnant right before you go to war? Or... <laughs> yeah, we've all been basically. there. Basically, yeah. um, uh, cliche. And uh, so, and <laughs> that's what happens. Um, and uh, so, Anthony is uh, kind of you know he's going to go to he's going to go to war, and he's uh, sleeping with his girlfriend. And and there's a an actually um, a decent scene where it shows him like he's jumping out of the house to try to. You know the dad is hot on his tail. You know, like like there's Mom. a 
Oh, the, yeah, the mom is there. Yeah. There, He doesn't want to get detected in his girlfriend's room, sneaks out of the house, and he's jumping across um, fences and running across people's backyards, uh, sort of raising Arizona style yeah. to, to, to sort yeah. of get out, get out of there. And then that, that flashes to, um, you know, cut to Marines running through the jungle. Um, and the, the header tells us this is recon extract, Quang Tri province, 16 April, 1971. Um, all right. This was, so did you, did you, you, want- <laughs> did you feel, did you feel like you were in Vietnam? Did this, this, this really had the feel that, Oh, did you check where it, where it was filmed? Yeah, this is in South Florida. This was filmed. Filmed in South Florida. Okay, pretty close. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, for our for our listeners that aren't aren't sure, um, Quang Tri Province is like it's kind of just north of Hue, which we've talked about in prior podcasts. Um, but Hue is in sort of central Vietnam, but in terms of South Vietnam, it's in northern South Vietnam, uh, and so Quang Tri is just north of Hue, and so this would be an I core. So, so some there's gonna it's gonna see, yeah. you're gonna see some action there for sure. You will, and I, I so they they give you the location and the date. Otherwise, you're sort of on your own to figure out for us historians um, what this might be referencing, and the closest, and maybe maybe this is in fact what what it's referencing, and maybe it was said that, and I missed it, but. Operation Texas Star, um, that was in Quang Tri Province uh, between April 1st and September 5th, 1970. And so I guess plausibly that could be what he is a part of. Um, Operation Texas Star featured the 104th Airborne um, working kind of side-by-side with Arvin uh, units. And so that's maybe what what this is... um, yeah, it's, it's truck. I'm me sure they did their research. I mean, it's got to be fairly accurate. <laughs> it's, so. it's super. It's super. It accurate. might be. And the, the, I, I don't know. Maybe they ref. Maybe they said, and I miss. It's quite possible, but um, I, mean, the, I didn't catch it. The thing least. that I that I was also thinking by '71, you had more Vietnamization. You had more, you know, integration of, uh, like, they, there there weren't any any um, Vietnamese troops fight, fighting alongside the uh, you know the the U.S. It was it was uh, it was very kind of quote us them so. Um, I mean, I don't, and, and it felt, I mean, I mean, maybe this is time to talk about it. It seemed like these Vietnam war scene, these kind of this, this montage of fighting was like a montage. kind of a, like a, like a best of cliches of like, there's a little my Lai massacre ish. There's a little, um, uh, you know, Phoenix program, like in, uh, interrogation. There's a little sort of, they, they sort of took all of the, um, the, the kind of, Pat quotes, you know, um, uh, cliches from about the Vietnam War filmography and, and crammed him into this. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it may, maybe this is exactly what happened to Recon Extract on Quang Tri in 71. Well, they, it's, it's what, about 30 minutes of film time that they're in Vietnam right. or so? Um, so I think they're att- attempting to get in a lot, like, like you said, to, to kind of show... They've got a couple characters that they need to show when once they get back to to New York uh, to show kind of what the war did to them. So that I think they're trying to get through and say, "Hey, bad things happened in Vietnam, and this is going to impact our characters later in the film." Um, so we need to get in a lot of bad stuff quickly 
because we're not going to actually be in Vietnam very mo- very long <laughs> in the film. I, I, hey, I have a question for our munitions expert here, uh, uh, Troy. The like w- one one thing that like um, that I kind of rolled my eyes at, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, is that you know there's the it, right in the kind of the first scene of like fighting, like everyone's out there with friggin' shotguns, like um, you know blasting them into the into the forest as they're running down. Like what? Like or or in, and not just that may speak to what are, what. Are, what did you see? How did you think the, uh, how accurate is there? Is there, uh, did they do their homework, Troy? You know, I'm not, I'm going to pretend I'm not an expert by the way, but, uh, I, I definitely dabble. Um, you know, there was a, uh, a trench gun, a, a shotgun, and there was a grease gun, which was basically world war two stamped gun that was built quickly. So it, because it, it looks like the, the gun, the grease gun that you used to, Oil, yeah, know, it was a forty-five caliber. Yeah, it was. It was called a grease gun because that's what it looked like, or that's what they. Uh, but it was the, made out of grease. Uh, no, <laughs> that seems but like it, it would be awesome yeah. if it was. Uh, yeah, it probably would delicious. melt pretty quickly in the hot. You know, yeah. it seems like a bad idea. I think it would, yeah, uh, they were used <laughs> like a potato in bed. Vietnam, but not the actual. Yes, <laughs> that actually might have been more more uh, accurate than the <laughs> grease gun. Um, but it was uh, I, I, that's what they, we were talking about this earlier. Like they were in recon, and I'm like, this is '71. I'm like, why are we using a shot, a trench gun, which was designed for World War One trench warfare? And you've got a grease gun that shoots a, a you know, pistol round, 45 ACP, just like the 1911s, in the side of the in the jungle with trees and leaves, and like it doesn't seem too effective. So I, it, they were used, but I don't think they were used like. In the movie, it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. And I've done the I've done a little research, and it doesn't nothing's really popping up. Uh, uh, anyway, it's just it's interesting. Maybe maybe but, that was a Florida man sort of uh, little like a little addition to the film. They sort of well, it's funny that the the uh, trench gun that they use supposedly in the uh, the movie is a a gun that was built in 1987. So uh, it was a Mossberg 590. Uh, getting all nerdy here, but like it's. Uh, like, so it literally on, could it's not a, have existed in 71. No, it didn't exist even during Vietnam. But the the grease gun, you know, was invented or it was built during World War II. So, but uh, even then, I'm like, what's the point of use at 71? I think everyone would. I could see a trench gun used, you know, in uh, like tunnel warfare or some really close combat type of warfare. But otherwise, what use the M16? But uh, yeah, it was anyway. There's enough nerd talk there for you, gun nerd talk. So. Yeah, the the um, so so we we learn that this is Anthony's second tour, um, there, and he's been away four years total when he goes back. Um, yeah, can I can I point out also another another question I had, uh, and maybe our munitions expert can answer this one too. Why, why is Chris Tucker in the same unit as the supposed <laughs> like you know military expert Anthony, when Chris Tucker is like I think he flunked out of college and then he got drafted and sent. That's a very good question. I mean, I, I thought recon was designed as a kind of an elite force, but again, you guys may you guys are the scholars. But Chris Tucker, and again, spoiler alert: when we come back, he reminds me of like Tyrone Biggums, the Chappelle Show, the guy that's uh, uh, a little low on uh, on the uh, crack. Uh, anyway, we'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I'm I'm gonna hold back here because we've got we don't want to spoil too many things so yeah yeah no, it's, i don't get it it's it's the it's the weirdest kind of like he 
He's a wait. We'll talk in a second. Oh, G14. The caller. G14 be coming around. Hello? Who's this? Hello? Am I speaking with FBI? Give me the phone. The FBI? Yeah, this is the FBI. Carter. Okay, you so. FBI? Yeah, that was, of course, yeah, uh, the, the, the infamous uh, Chris Tucker. Um, yeah, this dro- joking, distracted, drug-addicted loony ends up in this elite unit, as well as, like, um, all of his buddies from the Bronx who were in the war, like, um, go back in and uh, with them. Yeah. And so it's a... Yeah, it, it's interesting that everyone within, like, a, you know, one square block radius ends up in the same... In the same unit. Same unit. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, so, and, and we're, we're introduced to... Uh, so we get we get to see sort of... Um, Tucker there of this 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 unit and also um good old um Bokeem Woodbine um he's sort of he plays Cleon and he's the uh you might know him from like uh season two of Fargo he does an awesome job in that and um um he also uh he also is in many Wu-Tang videos from the, from the 90s to early two early 2000s so uh uh yeah if you if you recognize who is that guy um but he um he plays the kind of uh you know flew over the cuckoo's nest uh crazy recon soldier you know takes uh takes heads as souvenirs um that scene was like i thought it was like almost like teen horror movie um like it was so over i mean right, right. I mean, troy troy eric and i had had this conversation um earlier and it was, you know, very highbrow scholarly stuff. And yeah, I, sure. I, so I, <laughs> so the the head, in theory, is kept because it is a protective amulet, right? That's right. Correct. It's some good juju. When basically. when does the head start becoming protective? Because like the head, when it's still attached to the you know dead Vietnamese dude. Does it have any protective, any protective like cat skills at that point, or is it not until I mean, it is? It really is swaddled not. It's re- not effective until you put it into the backpack and seal the backpack. That's you got to do the full <laughs> course. You can't just have it lay in there. You have to put it into the backpack in in swaddling you, clothes. Yes, and, you have to yes, swaddle okay. it. Yeah, it's not official. Do you nurse it? Like, <laughs> love it, touch it, squeeze it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, All it's it's and and they it even say like yeah we haven't we haven't got a scratch on it since I've been carrying this head around, and uh, it was just you know like look a lot of insane things happened, and you know uh, up until including sort of you know genocide in in the second Indochina War. Um, but yeah, like, and um, like Lan Nol in Cambodia in the Cambodian Civil War, nineteen seventy five, nineteen seventy or nineteen seventy uh-huh. nineteen seventy five. Excuse me. Um, famously, you know, they they would wear like fetal amulets that they said, okay, these are going to protect you as you go fight the Khmer Rouge and make you invincible, blah, blah, blah. Um, how'd that work out, Eric? Uh, yeah, well, they, they, they totally def- deflected the, bu- the bullets. They were <laughs> impervious to, uh, um, yeah, those, those, uh, that, yeah, it was a weird, um, I thought it was a bit of like, um, I've been, I've, I've been, while I've been cooking, watching like old James Bond movies from like 60s and 70s. And it's this cringy, like, kind of like, Ooh, let's show the foreign country with like, Ooh, there's voodoo there. And there's like, you know, there's like, it's a weird oh, kind of live and like, let die. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's oh yeah. Pretty, that's a pretty sweet, yeah. um, um, 
sweet racism there. So another we, podcast we, coming. We get, yeah, there's some Vietnam angles there. I think there's um um good old Christopher Michael Imperioli from um The Sopranos um is in this movie. I don't know if it's his first movie, but it's an it's a certainly an early um he plays yeah, who is he? He he's the he's the token Italian, you know. You okay. know, um, he's uh, he's uh, he plays the kind of um, he he really serves as a, a vehicle to to show Anthony, um, you know, kind of losing his innocence as he um, uh, spoiler alert, uh, uh, D'Ambrosio dies. The Italian um, they did this in this again the kind of almost teen horror movie scene like. Um, they they come up on him and his guts are 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 not only out but like um, completely disemboweled and he's got he's got part of them in his mouth stuffed too. in his mouth yeah 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 and he's also alive like and 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 you think okay he's gonna die right there but it, they 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 carry him you know for hours on their on their firemen's firemen carry and uh, again it was a bit of like uh, I don't know a bit of gratuitous like all right this is not um, you find out why it's because he, you know, asks um, Anthony to kill him. And I, you know, I would do the same for you. And like, I think there's a moment in this, I read some film criticism, like, yeah, this is where sort of he's, his, his, he dies too, or his disenchantment has sort of come to fruition. Um, so, uh, and this is after the group makes, um, is it Cleon? Cleon, get rid of the head. That's true. So the so maybe, yeah, you you make a good point. The protective amulet, uh, the yeah. breastfeeding head is is no longer with the with the platoon or whatever they are, and uh, and then they get hit, and that happens. And I want to also say they got a sweet deal. The movie had to get a sweet deal at Costco on blood capsules because it's <laughs> gratuitous. It's uh, full fledged. Like, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Not really. Costco ketchup, exist in nineteen ninety five. Oh, somewhere. Maybe okay, Sam's, Sam's right. Club. He, right. caught, he Maybe. caught it. Sam's Club probably. Did. Sam's Club. Um, um, one, let me, one. Let me, if I can step back real quick, yeah. the another another question I had about just um, how things making sense in the in the film is for to the meeting with Anthony and and Chris Tucker when they're kind of at the bar just in some village, you know, and having a couple beers, and uh, it comes out that oh, Anthony. Yeah, how's your kid or whatever? And he's like, "Oh yeah, my three year old or whatever. I don't know because I don't, I don't have any contact with home because, you know, I don't, I don't want to focus anything on home. It's the only way I can stay alive. And just not think about it." And then they cut to him writing a letter to Kirby, the kind of guy who runs the pool hall, and like just talking about like what's going on with him. I'm like, "You just said he has no contact <laughs> with anything back at home because it's distracting to him." And why is he writing a letter to the guy that runs the pool hall? Like, yeah, yeah, no, there, um, there were some issues. Um, one, one kind of cool thing that that I thought they did in the in the Vietnam War scenes uh, of the movie, where they they showed uh, and talked about some of the uh, propag- Vietnamese propaganda that we mentioned. Here's a let me play a little clip from um, where they come across a, a pamphlet um, meant for the, the the North Vietnamese produced for the African American soldier. The fuck you got there, Curtis? Something about black man go home. This isn't your war. You get rid of that cocksucking common bullshit right now. 
Yeah. So the so that get get rid of that commie um, nonsense. Yeah. The the um, the Viet, the Vietnamese tried to use that um, um, effectively uh, on mm-hmm. African American soldiers. Like a typical leaflet might read, uh, "U.S. Army men, you are committing the same ignominious crimes as South Vietnam in South Vietnam that the KKK is perpetuating um, uh, against your family at home." So, so they 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 used they used that argument. Um, you know, I don't know if there's. Do you have any sense if that if the, did that? Tur- I don't know if that turned uh, turned hearts at the time. Maybe that was a, a deep thinker that. Um, rested on the on on uh, the black soldiers' experience. Uh, obviously, it did with some who decided not to enlist. Well, over I mean, over time, I mean, we're in seventy one when this happens, and you know, the war is in terms of the United States already kind of winding down. You know, at the peak was five, well, what almost five hundred fifty thousand soldiers, and seventy one, they're at one hundred fifty thousand. So it's already winding down. You're getting people, new recruits, draftees. They've already been, they've been at home, right, through the first <laughs> six years or whatever of U.S. ground involvement in Vietnam, and so a lot of them are come in jaded. And I, so I think that if we're talking about this sort of time frame, you know, that's going to have probably more of an impact. Um, so the anti-war sentiment, I think, a lot of that is sort of brought with many soldiers. Um, into Vietnam. Um, to kind of wrap up in Vietnam, there were sort of on a night mission, and uh, one of the fellow soldiers steps on a mine, is sort of blown up immediately, and another one of uh, the scenes Eric likes, where, where there's just a lot of gratuitous, you know, blood and guts. And Costco blood capsules. Yeah. <laughs> the sergeant, he gets it, and Chris Tucker kind of freezes up and there there's some talk you know earlier that you know he, he's cut not not cut out for this blah 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 uh but he freezes up sort of in the in the moment of truth if you will and and then they just sort of pull out and that's vietnam ends and then you're back 1973 back in new york back yeah we're back in the back in the bronx um and uh uh you know anthony comes back and and he one of the first encounters he's sort of like kind of off the bus and in his military uniform. And he, he runs into, um, Chris Tucker who's super strung out heroin addict. there, sitting outside the bodega and, um, and also, um, Terrence Howard, he sees again and who will, uh, kind of pull cue. Right. The, right. The, 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 the guy who cut his face before, um, clocks him and, um, We'll hear more from him. We'll hear more about that later. But um, a, a pretty a pretty decent scene, I thought too, was the 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 pre war dinner scene and the post war dinner scene. And let's hear. Well, with Chris Tucker mentions to um, the not only is he kind of all strung out, but you know he says something like, "I brought back something from them." You know, the, they're not sure what it is, the doctors or whatever, and you know it's in my body. So he's getting these sort yeah. of medical benefits. So, you know, it's implying Agent Orange exposure. And that is, of course, uh, a significant thing to this day uh, for Vietnam veterans. Yeah, and, and of course, you sort of 
yeah, native Cambodian Laotians. Um, yeah. Vietnamese. We've yeah. talked about that, uh, yeah. I believe, in the First Blood podcast. If you want to go in-depth on Agent Orange discussion, yeah, deep we talked about it yeah. in that. So check us out on the Rambo First Blood podcast. And I'm sure that's not the last. Uh, so yeah, so let, let's hear. So this is, this is reuniting with his family, mom and dad talking to him. What'd you do over there? What was it like? I'd rather not talk about that right now. Well, Anthony, you're gonna have to tell us something now. You know, a lot of them boys went over there and got hooked on them drugs and stuff, you know? Look, I was in a special unit out there, and bad habits could have cost us our lives. Well, that's what I'm talking about, them bad habits, honey. Now, if you picked up some of them things, there's a lot of places you can go and get help. No bad habits, Ma. Except for a little killing. For my country, of course. Let me give you some more of these cards. Dad changes the subject quickly. Um, yeah, so so right, mom's Is mom's that his second line in the movie. The dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and so I, I can't remember the name of that actor, but he's in a lot of stuff. I know I've seen him in a bunch of things. They don't really use him too too much in this film, though. Yeah, and um, the you know there, there's kind of it's a sort of um, he's. Society has moved on in those in the years he's been away, and he has obviously gone in a different direction as well. And so we see those this, those disjunctures, um, uh, not with only with Juanita, his uh, the mother of his child, but also um, Juanita's sister, um, who um, Matt has a crush on apparently. Hey um, now, <laughs> and uh, well, fourteen year old me did, and. Um, Let's let's just say twenty six year old me, which is current <laughs> ta- today, uh, uh, agrees with fourteen year old me. So <laughs> she she plants one on Anthony and um, and she says, uh, "Welcome home and welcome to the revolution." So, I thought you were going over to the communists. If you were smart, that's what you would have done. Ooh, yeah, she, she really says that. She's got so a she Hanoi in Jane in her yeah in the intervening years has become. Uh, some sort of it's not not really descri- I don't think it is. Is it? It's, it's not. It's not. It, she or? she she definitely has the Black Power movement fist, like right. at least on that on the sign behind. Yeah, they they never say it, but it's it's definitely the Black Power. They don't ever say Panther, but um, it could have been. Was it, you know, wasn't it Nat Turner? Is that right? Oh yeah. The yeah. the the you know the right. black definitely the, definitely the Black Power movement. That whether it's you know Black nationalism, Pan Africanism, any of the um. Uh, the Panthers, etc. So that that sort of wider umbrella, but yeah, she's definitely part of that, and um, um, and uh, she will come into f- to factor in the uh, in the in the in what should be the center of the uh, the 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 payoff in the movie, which um, I don't, I don't think it's done well, but um, more on that. But he uh, the the driving force behind um, bad decisions that he will make later is this the trouble finding work, right? The, um, the um, unemployment well, his side game at, at Kirby's no longer exists because Kirby is kind of, yeah. Um, he's kind of going straight ish. It seems the, um, the quote pigs put him out of work. Yeah. So he, um, yeah, he can't run his, run his numbers and uh, um we, I, I did some, I did some looking on the the government statistics for um, the unemployment rate of black veterans um, 
was more than double that of, of, of white Vietnam vets. So it was about 9%, um, which is pretty high for an unemployment rate, um, 4.3 for white vets. And uh, so that his, his inability to find gainful employment to keep, he works as a butcher, he does things to, you know, he's trying to play it straight, right? And um, he's not able to, to make it work. Um, we move to, you know, another, another, his, his the, what happens with the, um, the, the women and wives who are left behind by the soldiers, you know, they find comfort in another's arms. Um, man, this would be a good time to play, uh, um, uh, Kenny Rogers, uh, no, no, wouldn't <laughs> Ruby. Don't take your something from I'm going to get, I think I'm thinking of something I'm going to get you sucker. I, I just gotta be okay. something to play from that. So yeah. Right. Um, don't take your love to town. So, so the, the, there's, um, yeah, there, there's a, there's sort of a, I don't know who, how do you describe Cuddy? He's not a pimp. He's just kind of a player around. He, you know, drives a big Lincoln and is flashy. Um, maybe it may be a dealer, um, um, of some sort, but he's, he was, um, sleeping. Yeah, he kind of rolls up on them. As he's a wheeler. Kissing. He's a dealer. Yeah. He's a wicked woman stealer. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is, uh, that's true. Thank I think that's not his business. Card. <laughs> that's not his business. Isn't that on your business card? Troy? Um, yeah. Well, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then and then we have a pretty satisfying scene because Terrence Howard really is an asshole through this movie, um, and uh, uh, we have um, Anthony or Young Blood as they nickname him. Um, uh, they're they're playing they're playing pool right again, and then um, he brings up that um, doesn't he bring up that his uh, uh, yeah that his his old boss Cuddy was was sleeping with uh, Juanita, and then we get some. Get some tones in the background. This is playing yeah. in the in the pool hall. He also brings the Ali line. You were fools for going over there fighting that white man's war. So he gets that dig in too. Yeah, so as the as, as the um James Brown is James playing Brown. In, in the background uh at the pool hall, uh Anthony snaps and takes his pool cue and just beats the holy living out of uh Terrence Howard there. It's, uh, um, he, he, you don't feel bad for Terrence Howard. He doesn't kill him. Um, he, but he, but he beats him up real good. He's um, just mostly dead. He's mostly dead. Yeah. And, uh, and it's weird. They carried his head around in a backpack for, uh, for good luck. Um, which I yeah, thought was a little and too. Breast, and breastfed him. I don't, yeah. Also odd. <laughs> too on the nose. Um, uh, James Brown, fun fact, uh, Went to South Vietnam June of 1968 and uh, rocked the house. Um, did he wear his cape? A, uh, yeah. Oh, he he did the whole cape shtick. And, oh man. Um, yep. <laughs> there. So he, there was about a thousand uh, service members saw him. There was like hundreds more that were sort of turned away from the sort of main theater that he was playing in. But uh, James Brown and Vietnam. It's all it's all related. It's all one song. Also, Youngblood, one of my favorite defensive uh, players in the Los Angeles Rams in the seventies. <laughs> Good pick up. Jack Youngblood is amazing. I will point out that Troy's been a Rams fan through thick and thin, very thin. Um, some thicks. Um, Mostly thicks. <laughs> okay. 
I don't even know what that means. Thins or I don't even know what's better, the thicks or the thins. Thick is thick. Thick's good though. Thick's good, right? Okay, but then mostly thins. Then. Yeah. Okay. Um. So <laughs> the, uh, there's sort of trouble at home. Is the worst is, podcast ever? Is the is the thread <laughs> that comes uh, that comes through this? You know, he can't. Anthony can't provide. He's drinking too much. His you know Juanita's on his case for all of those things. He's got nightmares in a in a really crazy. She's pregnant again. Scene. Did you mention that? Sorry, that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. She's she's pregnant again. Um, you know they're uh, so they're not stopping on that front. Um, he gets laid off at work, which is really a precipitating event for him to like um, seek a darker path. Um, he was a meat cutter, correct? He was working in a meat factory or a meat he, shop. Yeah. yeah, is that what you want to call it? In a, yeah, he was he was sawing sheep's heads in two. I think their chops. slogan was "You can lick your chops, but you can't beat our meat." I believe was the slogan there. <laughs> wow! Wow! Where's the Homer Simpson drop? He's he's <laughs> he's full of them today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so also in the also in the mix is is uh, um, I think they're riding around with uh, um, with what's his face and uh, Jose <laughs> Jose the uh, the amputee. Um, who is the their their buddy, their Latino buddy from the from the Bronx? Um, he's uh, he's got a fake hand or it doesn't lost work. His I could, right hand. Yeah, um, it look. I'm thinking like if you're gonna get, it looks like a burn, like prosthetic. I'm thinking if you get a prosthetic, shouldn't that prosthetic look better than the one he has? Like the prosthetic looked to me like a burned hand. I'm like, why are you wearing? Well, they a- wanted to make it realistic to what happened to him. I think. <laughs> Isn't the whole point of prosthetic is like, look, I could have a real pretty hand now. Um, uh, yeah, that confused what, me a what lot. Movie like, am I? You can pause. Is it kind of like Chubbs from Happy Gilmore, where he gets that, his hand bit off from the alligator? Right. Yeah, Chubbs. It's pretty yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Chubbs. I think that's yeah. what they were referencing. Def- clearly in that movie. Um, oh, because yeah, that came out the year prior, actually. Yeah, so. <laughs> so they. Were- and by the way, going back uh, to Costco. 1976. All right, that's when they were founded. So in your face, we're totally Matt. Legit on the blood capsule. Yeah, the blood capsule. <sighs> Take that. Um, but pack. did they sell them in capsules, or did they just sell them in like seven-gallon drums or something? That that's what you need for this yeah, film. I think you had a choice. You had an option. I think on that one. Okay. Depending on the situation. Um. So so they assemble the sort of the they have their oceans Thanks, el- oceans eleven moment. Um. He's assembling the team. You've got the, you've got the, um, yeah, this came out of nowhere though. Like, oh, totally how it's introduced in the film. It, it, it's just, he's lost his job. He gets a uh, pamphlet randomly that, oh, hey, come to a, uh, like a black power meeting. Uh, he sees the sister in law, sister, and they, they hook up and conceive this plan, like, Right then, like like that night or whatever. Yeah, and I, I still I still Matt, like I am a sucker for even bad like heist movies. Like, there's something about the procedural process of that that is that is kind of interesting and fascinating. And they, and this movie takes all of that joy. Well, it it, it compresses it into about two minutes, and um, you don't get uh, you know, whether it's the planning or the execution of it. Um, it's uh, I think they. They they missed a gold mine there, you guys. Um, I let's do a remake, and it'll all be the heist part of it. It was very like Wiley uh, Coyote and Roadrunner type <laughs> planning, you know, like drop 
yeah. Anvil, and and it just didn't quite could work out like they wanted. Acme. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's a great analogy. We just get because there's they, they uh, like the, you know, the whole point of the of the heist right is to, um, they're gonna they're gonna th- this this armor truck, and the from from the war one of the like um, Jose is a munition specialist, and so he can he can blow open those doors of that truck, and then they'll take the money from it and um so the uh you know he puts a bomb on the back of the truck and he's like so like he is is so excited about his munitions that he's this he blows the entire truck up and no one seems particularly distressed about it they're like oh you silly it's very wily coyote you blew the whole truck up including the money like isn't that, and he's like, "Whoa, look at it burn! Isn't it amazing?" You know, uh, I just was, I love when the driver's driving off and he puts his hands over his eyes, like, "Oh my good, like that's gonna help, like it's, it's gonna make a difference." It's like very, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's, uh, there's not the best. Uh, I thought, <laughs> again, I, I love also the like these guys are in recon, so they I know, uh, and they're wearing kind of a skeleton white face. Like that's not really good camouflage. You could obviously for, uh, be seen through the grates and the, that they're hiding under or like, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. So they, well, and okay. He's got Kirby back with the gang Yeah. who said earlier, he's done with all this stuff. He's got drugged out. Chris Tucker as part of the gang. Yeah. Tyrone Biggums. He's got, head cut off preacher guy Cleon yeah who said I'm not gonna go if Chris Tucker's in it because he froze up man and you know since so he's you know in the intervening years or months or however long it's been in the film he's gone from cutting off heads to you know establishing like a, a church or some of you know some repute and he is you know this kind of fancy popular, charismatic preacher uh, charismatic preacher Who's gonna put that all on the line? It's just making like a lot of leaps that it like. Yeah. It, it just it just seems like it doesn't need to do. Yeah, and then and then the end is not even like you know. Then it's like this. Uh, you know, all, all of these guys had sort of lost their soul in Vietnam, um, and then and then. They want us to feel bad about them shooting cops and, and prison guard, and they they're 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 personally feeling like. And I thought like, well, that's the whole point of them doing this is they're they're kind of dead, right on the inside. So they're um, I uh, yeah I think I think there there was some missed there was some missed opportunities for remake Hollywood, at us at Napalm Podcast. Uh, you know let's uh, let's 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 put a new script. Let's get a, let's get a let's get a, let's make a and and my girl gets killed. I know she does. Um, she gets shot dramatically. Um, she's she's laying waste to people though. She does a, a fantastic job uh, at you know <laughs> holding down the uh, <laughs> the dumpster. Yeah, there's a real uh, kind of Starsky and Hutch kind of like with her two <laughs> 1911s that shoot eight rounds. Of, like she's yeah. Anyway, right? She and that's so, another interesting thing. She never ran out of ammo too. See, that's how magical she was at that. Uh-huh. That's a Hollywood thing for sure. <laughs> So so yeah the you know um at the end of the day this this is not a a Vietnam Oh do you want to end her hold on the very ending Oh we we have to we did get to court we didn't get to the to court the court, the court, yeah, the yeah, court yeah. scene we got to go to the court Oh yeah scene. yeah why don't you guys take us there I love who plays the judge like Martin Sheen is the Martin judge Martin Sheen yeah and I'm like why 
like at this point in the movie, let's put Martin Sheen in there because that'll make it better all of a sudden, you know. So the biggest name in the in the film has like a thirty second part. He's been in the, in the most famous like, Vietnam War film, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, screw you, sorry. You're, uh, yeah, you killed some people. That's not cool. Yeah, and he gonna... he he, play, he he plays very much sort of greatest generation judge to them. Like he's like, well, you know, I had some problems, and like, well, like you did a great dishonor to you know. It's like he's not he's not hearing the uh, socially relevant like um, complaints of the uh, for 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 uh, clemency and leniency in sentencing. Um, yeah, so you know. Again, as you were saying, this is not a this is not a Vietnam War film per se, but it's a pretty significant caricature in the film, the war. Um, and uh, but I feel it's enough for us to give it some uh, some some dong rating. Um, Matt, uh, how many how many dong you're gonna you're gonna give this film? Oh, I gotta go first. Uh, well, I we've we've pointed out several issues. We've, you know, as a, as a podcast, I, I think this is a, a, it's not entirely our fault because uh, Hollywood has not made very many films that sort of focus on the experience of African-Americans in Vietnam. Uh, so this is kind of the first time that we're getting to a film that dives deep on this sort of experience. And a lot of the, you know, in, in Platoon or in, you know, some other films, African-Americans are present, but they are kind of definitely side characters. So it's a good... Oh, right. So there's some representation. I, they're, they're the, it's a story that needs to be told, and you know we'll probably we'll get to Spike at some point, and there's other ones too that do this, but it needs to also be told better. Uh, and I, I thought it was a better movie when I was like 14. Let's say that. <laughs> uh, you know, you're... So was the more. Goonies. I mean, the Goonies was amazing when I was fourteen, but not so much now. It doesn't hold up. That's still not good. It's not good now. Oh, maybe it is, but not to me. <laughs> I I I need to rewatch. Sorry to ruin that. Jim Cotta is a film that holds up. Um, Troy, what do you what do you? <laughs> oh, I didn't I didn't give it. Oh, I you, did, you're I, done. I, you didn't I, get I your dong rating right there. Uh, right I I gotta go. I gotta go. Man, is this too low? Like four point five. Ooh. I'll give it an extra half for for my girl gives it an extra half. We'll go five. Five, okay. Troy, what? How about how about you? How many the dong the Vietnamese well, currency? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna digress for a second. And uh, when they were robbing the truck, the truck was designed to pick up uh, currency that was going to be burned. It wasn't even you know it right, wasn't right. it was worthless. So right. I um, the analogy that I'm taking here is soldiers like dollar bills, man, get disregarded. And that's steep. It's deep there. I know. Take it all in. Take it in, man. Whoa. Um, and I, before, before we end, Boo. I, that's there's an one, expensive uh, microphone. Don't drop it, Troy. <laughs> sorry about that. There was another quote that I, I can't remember. Obviously it was during the Vietnam scene, but I, I need to share it with the listeners. And it's called, it was, I'd rather eat cat shit with a knitting needle. So anyway, you might want to use that sometime. If if, if some some things you don't want to do at home, just use that. Yeah, throw that out to Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, with when we're talking about the dong, this is my lowest dong rating out of all the uh, movies we've seen. And I, man, I'm I'm going lower than Matt. I'm going to say like three point five dong. <laughs> that's that's 
I, I was going to go three, but I'll, I'll give it an half. I'll give it an extra. Because of the uh, I'd rather eat cat shit with a needle and needle. I'm just going to keep repeating that. That gives it an extra before this, before this, boost. Yeah. It's that, that, that threw it up to, threw it to 3.5. So. Troy, do you want to do the next podcast with us? Well, I, maybe not. After this, you might not let I, me. So. I was teeing you up to use your line. <laughs> you'd rather, you'd yes. rather eat cat shit. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I may. We'll, we'll it was bring right that, there. We'll, we'll bring it back. You threw me a softball and I did not swing. Yeah. Sorry about Damn that. It. Or it was that was actually a tee ball, actually. But uh, anyway, I yeah. Threw, I threw you a tee ball. <laughs> you, okay, you didn't even have to throw me a tee ball. <laughs> I placed it for you. Okay, yeah. three point five. Final answer. So, yeah. Ooh. I mean, I, uh, I think. I was going to say a similar thing, match logic about um, if if this would have been about a, if this would have been the exi- similar movie with the sort of the white heist um, guys, uh, it would have gotten the, the the fact that it it tried to tell the story and it did some of it okay. Um, there were some obviously things that the kind of the unemployment it as did a, do some of it okay as a heavy yeah. factor. The yeah. Vietnamese propaganda to black soldiers, some of the the socioeconomic forces that that caused the black soldiers to enlist disproportionately. Those are all, those are all like good data points and, and could have a story, but it, I just, I thought, I thought it was uh, like I read, I read Roger Ebert's review and it was kind of, he had said a similar thing where like there are different, there are parts of this movie that are like, that are really great in and of themselves, but like there's just this mm-hmm. failure for it to work together as a, as a whole movie um, in, in so many ways. It's, it's both trying to do a really broad thing, tell of this, this story over time of, of change and then, and then do this, you know, it, it, and it doesn't pay off in kind of the dead president way at the end anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give it four and a half dong. I'll split the, I'll split the needle, um, thread the, the needle. Cat shit needle. Yeah. The cat shit needle. Um, now that's stuck in my head. Troy. Yeah. We'll go 4.5, uh, dong. Yeah. This is my lowest, uh, as well. Although I think um, some of the others we're going to watch, but you might get safe your save your rent. Wait for the next one. Yeah, save, yeah. save your save your Doug. So uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Dead Presidents, forty five percent. Hey, critics. Who who has two thumbs and gave Sim- it the exact dong rating that Rotten Tomatoes did? <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. So um, all right. So uh, do you want to hear about the real story, real quick? Yeah, I did. I do. Sure. What? What? Okay, so you this is it. loosely based on a real, real dude and a real, a real story. Thank you, Eric. Um, and the, don't let go. The timeline is pretty different. Uh, he goes to Vietnam earlier. He is not there for uh, how long is our, our four years main protagonist? He's there four years. Yeah, so he's he's not there for four years. Um, the heist actually takes place in 1969, so that's you know obviously earlier um, and sexier. And he he talked about about this um, and and the book that it um, a lot of these stories. Well, that this story kind of came from. And no, no, it's not. No, no, not <laughs> Dang yet. The protagonist's name in real life is not Anthony. It is, um, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, Meritazon. 
Ari Maritazan. Um, originally, so he changed his name to that when he was in jail for getting busted for the heist. Um, his his uh, birth name is Haywood Kirkland. Um, in real life, he the, he plays up the the political aspect of this, um, and he says that is kind of you know real essential, and that was kind of one of the reasons they were doing the heist was to redistribute money to the local community, which they show actually in the film a, a little bit of, um, you know, kind oh, of giving yeah. some gifts and um, you know like Christmas presents and stuff like that out to to, to some kids, um, but in real life that was kind of the a much more played up the political aspect of it and and then and doing it for 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 the community so you know he he you know was actually you know at the premiere and you know he said uh, quote i was expecting to see something i could recognize and say that's me uh but you know he didn't really recognize <laughs> what he saw on the screen he didn't kill anyone when he was in vietnam he was not like you know really involved in anything horrific like we're 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 shown in in the film um and you know he says when the movie ends is where my life begins and so he kind of is rejuvenated sort of in prison he kind of he gets uh, a law degree he starts you know coaching um other other inmates on on aspects of the law and how they can, you know, use it for their benefit um, in court and kind of work on their sentencing and things like that. And so uh, he gets out in, I think, 1975 and gets a master's degree and, you know, kind of goes on to continue in that realm. Um, but so that that's the story, the actual story that this film is based on. That's a real, you know, brief version of it. Um, that That book is uh bloods by terry not book of the week oh, okay. uh, <laughs> now you've gotten me all thrown off here uh anyway they so the the hughes brothers turned turned the book bloods written by terry where the hell is his last name now i'm totally lost it um who was a anyways he was a reporter for time sorry sorry terry um and he was in vietnam um and he was he was kind of very he was african american himself one of the few full time correspondents that's african american and he for a period of time kind of went out took took kind of a pause from time and went out and kind of went into the into the shit if you will uh, and did a lot of interviewing and stuff in Vietnam with African-American soldiers, and that, over a long period of time, became the book Bloods, which came out in 1984. It's kind of like an oral history of the war. So that's a little bit of the backstory. Now am I supposed to do it? Yeah, now. Book of the Week. <laughs> What's your book of the week, Matt? Uh, Book of the Week is James Westheider Fighting on Two Fronts, African-Americans in the Vietnam War. Uh, That came out in 1997. And it's going to follow these similar topics that we've been talking about. Um, So Westheider, I'm hopefully pronouncing that correctly, Westheider, looks at um, kind of early optimism of African-Americans serving in the war, um, 
serving in the military, you know, discusses, you know, inequalities in, in the draft, the deferment system and, and things like that. The things we've sort of touched on in this in this podcast today. Um, and he kind of he goes chronologically through this and. Kinda, I, he uses oral history, too, and puts a big focus on that. And, you know, he does this quote to, to put a human face on a complex and often confusing historical process and allow the participants to tell their own unique experiences during one of the more important but volatile areas in American history, end quote. And, you know, he he gets the, getting these oral histories down. Bloods also, as I said, is an oral history. Um, you know, it's an important contribution, and I wanted to just get a second book that wasn't Bloods. Um, and so I think this is a, would be a, a good companion to that, and so that's why I made it as our book of the week. So check out James Westheider, Fighting on Two Fronts, African Americans and the Vietnam War. Uh, and there you go. Very nice. Well, um, yeah, I hope everyone's having a safe and sound 2020 as far as you can make that happen. And, uh, yes, get in touch with us on the on the, the interwebs. That's it, uh, at uh, Napalm Podcast on Twitter. At Napalm Podcast on Twitter. I don't do Facebook because I'm not Russian. Oh, burn. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, sick burn. Sick burn. Uh, yeah. Troy's Russian. We're we're we got some stuff on up there. Uh, we're looking for feedback about uh, there's films you want us to, and this this opens up a new avenue for uh, other things we might want to do um, that are maybe more peripheral or have a have a smaller Vietnam footprint. Um, we're we're listening. We're um, we're we're we'll take all comers. Yeah, or we can just you know get into big Twitter fights. That's tool. You know, we can do that. That's fine. And for all you gun nerds, like go ahead and comment on why they were using grease guns in 71 or, yeah. or a trench. It's like, a little uh, known fact. That the, uh, <laughs> it's a little fact. Uh, click, 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 here. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting fights with Troy about um, the minutia of. <laughs> it's not a clip. It's a magazine. Okay. I, that's my favorite. It's not a clip. It's a magazine. That's you'll get it. Gun nerds. You know it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've gotten so many of those comments on Twitter. Wow, it's unbelievable. So many. Yeah. All right. Well, so for, for 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 <laughs> the cat's back. <laughs> Napalm. I'm Eric uh, with the horny yeah, cat. Is uh, you want to say goodbye, Matt and Troy? <laughs> yeah, Matt. Matt and the horny cat. And T Roy. Adios, amigos. All That's right. T-Roy. See everyone. Thanks, Eric. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Did you first? I bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War.